Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind of the Fem. Your hosts today, as usual, are Ninja James Laws of Ninja Forms fame and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WPR's Segregator. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we're going to talk about having a successful WordPress plugin. How do we get from zero to success? And we're going to start off by first having a, a quick pause for our sponsor and then we'll start off with different points about success and how it applies to a WordPress plugin business. Before we get started today, we'd like to take a moment to thank WP Engine, one of the premier managed hosting services for the WordPress community. They've become the first official sponsor of Mastermind.fm and have an offer exclusively for you, our listeners. If you give WP Engine's one-year managed hosting plan a try, the first four months are on them. Just enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. Now, we can't speak highly enough of WP Engine as a managed WordPress hosting service. They're one of the best, and if you're in the market for a host, looking to upgrade, or just curious about their plans, look them up and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. If you do wind up on board, send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm and tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome back. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about what makes a successful WordPress plugin business. And there's a, a number of things that we can talk about uh, as we get into this. So let's just kind of j- dive right in and talk about some of the attributes or some of the things that you may want to consider to have a successful plugin business. So to start, I want to talk about the the most important thing, I think. Um, we tend to get tunnel vision when building a product where we're all concerned about the features that we're adding and the UI and is it sexy and do, are people going to love using it and all this stuff. Uh, and, and as we were kind of thinking through this, uh, we came to the conclusion, right, nobody wants to use your plugin. They want to solve a problem. Uh, so I'll use my plugin as an example. Uh, nobody uses Ninja Forms because they love building forms. Like they wake up every morning excited to go into the office and say, I'm going to build some forms. I'm going to add a bunch of fields. I'm going to change settings. I'm going to change. Like I'm just going to build forms. That's what I enjoy doing. This is the purpose of my life. I wake <laughs> up, I eat, sleep, and breathe so that I can build forms, Right. Our users want to do something very specific. They want to collect user information. They want to build their mailing list. They want to engage their customers. Uh, They have a very specific goal. And so if our focus is just to add features so that people can have a fun time building forms, which we want to make that experience as enjoyable as possible, as long as we remember nobody is using Ninja Forms because they want to build forms. You have to consider that in your plugin. Nobody is using your plugin because they want to do the setting portion of what your plugin does. Nobody uses WordPress SEO or Yoast SEO because they love building, you know, proper uh, site maps. Like that's not what that excites them. What they want is traffic. What they want is their traffic to be searchable, to be found, to be in the search engines. And they're worried about a goal. They have a mission that they want to accomplish. So if you want to have a successful plugin, the very first thing you have to consider is, what are my users' problems and how can I solve them? Yeah, I think that's an excellent explanation of the whole notion of features vs. solving a problem. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you at the next WordCamp wearing those Eat, sleep, build forms, repeat t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to make that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so going back to achieving a successful plugin, let's start 
discussing some other points. So first of all, solve a problem. Second, I think build a product that oozes quality, you know, and, and the way it's developed, the coding standards it uses, and also the way the UI is done. And recently, for and we, we've also seen plugins such as yours breaking off from the UI that WordPress supplies. And I think that's an important thing that traditionally we've talked to the WordPress UI. And nowadays it seems, especially with the advent of JavaScript, to be something considered to be possible to change the UI without losing touch with the user base. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, while at the same time the goal is to solve your users' problems, the goal is not also not to create a UI that nobody wants to work with. Like you don't want people to dread building forms or dread setting up their, you know, SEO settings or to dread their analytics or to dread whatever the plugin is that they're trying to use setting up their e-commerce site. You want it to make it as enjoyable as experience as using a plugin can be. And with that in mind, yes, a lot of plugins are moving away from the traditional WordPress UI. One of the ways that we're doing it is, uh, one, just obviously creating our own style sheet as a part of our own brand. I think you see this with other plugin companies, um, Syed and his team. They have a particular style to their plugin and their admins, and you know it when you use their products. I think that's a branding thing too, right? Like when people use one of our products, we want it to feel the same across all of our products. Uh, and so we we adopt that. But you can do it in, without being distasteful towards the WordPress UI. So you definitely, we've definitely seen plugins that are just completely and totally like just offensive to the WordPress UI. And I don't think that's the solution. Um, so some ways of solving that is, what we do with our builder is we go full screen. So we just, when you go into the builder portion of Ninja Forms, and especially in three, right, that's where it really matters, we just take over the whole screen, and then you can leave that almost like it's a modal or an app or something so that you're not offensively, like, looking at it with the WordPress UI and going, oh, these look totally different, and I don't feel like I'm in the same place. When you're not in the same place, you're in the build Ninja Forms builder. You're not in WordPress right at this moment. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is just making sure that when you do style your plugin, however you do it, is tasteful. So it doesn't have to look exactly like WordPress, but it should feel comfortable within WordPress, within the skin of WordPress. Um, but UI is super important, but I don't think, I used to be one of those people who was adamant about always use the WordPress UI, always use the WordPress UI. But you put yourself into some, some trouble when you do that, because there are some plugins that just have needs that the WordPress UI does not address. And therefore you cannot use the WordPress UI. You have to think outside the box. Great. So another important issue is timing. This not only affects WordPress products, obviously, but any kind of product in the world. So we have both curious stories about timing, I would say, both in your case and in our case. Starting from aggregator, I think the timing was very important and it came right in a time where RSS plugins were considered to be dead and nobody wanted to use any anything to do with RSS. That was the general idea. However, I needed RSS for my own site, and after building the product I needed, I found out that many others actually had a need for such a product. And in that lull between plugins, I managed to find a very good spot in time where to insert a premium, a freemium plugin 
with which I could build an existing business. And of course, after that, other plugins came along which copied the model or did the competitor with regards to importing feeds. But at that point in time, there was just a few open free plugins that did feeds and didn't really do them particularly well and weren't supported because there wasn't an associated business model. So in our case, timing, although it looked very bad and at a first glance, it turned out to be really advantageous for us. And in your case, James, we already had a lot of forms plugins, especially dominant ones. What's your thinking about that? Yeah, you know, I'm always a uh, proponent of getting involved in a saturated market uh, when when launching a product, um, mostly because that's what we did. We didn't go out with the intentional idea of getting into a saturated market, but that is what happened to us. And the reason I'm a proponent of it is a saturated market is a proven market. People are already buying these products. They've already got a user base and a user audience. So if you can kind of get in there and find out what people don't like, about what's currently offered and solve those problems, you can win over a, a whole segment of that market who will who you solved their problem. And so, yeah, it was a very saturated market. We had very large competitors, um, much bigger than us in, in the space. And we've somehow been able to carve out a segment of the market uh, who have become very passionate fans of what we're doing. And so that's, that was been, has been very exciting. Yeah, so that was, that was kind of a big part for us. Um, another important point I would mention is the team that you have behind the plugin. Some plugins remain small and are, as such, able to be handled by one individual, being yourself, or it might grow and thus you will need more people in support, more developers, WordPress marketing, geniuses, and the like. So in my case, I am very thankful for my team because the plugin has really grown beyond my programming capabilities or even administrative time, you know, because I don't have enough time, even if it were just me doing everything, I wouldn't have time for support, developing the plugin, marketing it. There's so much to do that I, one person cannot handle it all. So it's important to choose the right people for your team. James, you have a big team as well, so I guess. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like Ninja Forms wouldn't be where it is today if we didn't expand our team. If it was still just me and my business partner and my business partner does all of the development. But if it was just him doing the development and just me doing the marketing, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, so strategically adding people to your team that can help you grow and mature is important. It also has been good from a development standpoint. I've seen it help where we have another mature developer who's working on the project. My business partner and him, they challenge each other. So there are things that we're doing in Ninja Forms 3 that if Kevin was building it on his own, we wouldn't have. Because there would have been because nobody would be there to challenge him to say maybe there's a better way or let's think of this differently you know and they you know they kind of uh, strengthen each other by challenging each other's opinions or thoughts and they at least will debate to a better solution and that's true of our marketing team and having people who write content for me um, our support team all of this stuff has been crucial to kind of the the success of the product. Because if we didn't have the support, if we didn't have people who handle support as well as they do, uh, that was gonna that would have hurt us dramatically. Because as our user base grows, of course, so has our support load. Yep. And uh, well, another point is, well, let's say you have a good product and you're finished, you launched it. Now the, the difficult part is getting the word out. And in our case, we had WP Mayor, which was a fantastic platform to announce the plugin to the world. But we also leveraged the .org repository, whereby we had the 
free plugin available there and we were also marketing the premium add-ons so those were our two big sources of traffic to our site and hence to towards converting clients in your case james did you use any other tactics yeah that was a it was a much slower process for us because we didn't have a a larger news site who that people were had a following um, we were coming into the market kind of as virtual unknowns. So we had none of that. And so we started selling NinjaForms as a premium product on our own site, but nobody knew who we were. Um, we tried to you know, engage some news sites at that time, such as like WP Candy was around at that time, and tried to engage them to see if we could get some people to write about us or to acknowledge us. And we got a little bit of that, but not a lot. So then we moved to a free version, a light version of the plugin so that we could at least get in the dot, you know, the .org repository to hopefully garner some more attention there. But it wasn't until, I mean, it was all of 2011, 2012. It wasn't until 2013 that we actually started to get eyes, like actual um, people paying attention to us. And so it was a long, slow process of writing and marketing and really just mostly just trying to get people interested. It wasn't even a lot of marketing. We didn't take out ads or ad words or anything like that. It was just a lot of trying to build relationships, I would say, more than anything. Yeah, it's curious where in many cases you look at plugins and you think they're overnight success, but you're always missing the, the previous two, three years typically within that plugin's lifetime. I mean, I can definitely say that Ninja Forms came on my radar in around 2013, but as you're saying, it has been had been already in the building stages for two years previous to that. So yeah, you may you may have heard commonly people say every overnight success was eight years in the making. Like that's like no overnight there's there's really no true overnight success. I mean, surely there are anomalies and there are like surprises that happen. But in the grand scheme of things, almost every successful company has been years in the making of developing and just kind of working hard at it until all of a sudden it just, they just pop up and you're like, oh, these guys came out of nowhere. Well, we've been around for a while, you know? So yeah, absolutely. And uh, in the few cases where there's a real overnight success with regards to a product, the entrepreneur behind the product would have been preparing himself for a number of years by doing lots of reading certainly networking and what have you you know so it's always that case where it takes a long r runway to make a successful product let's talk about other items like reviews for example how, how do you think reviews impacted your plugin was it very important to have testimonials on your site and on the .org repo I think uh, having the vote of confidence of other users and other higher profile people is hugely important. It's this idea like we, in 2013, I think what really helped us spearhead our growth uh, quite a bit, um, if I may give a shout out to Pippin Williamson uh, over at EDD and Pippin's plugins and Restrict Content Pro and Affiliate WP and all the things that he has his hands in. See the appendix after the show. That's right. <laughs> I, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention them all so we can put them all in our show notes. Um, he, he gave us a shout out early in the year of 2013, probably around April, May, when we were trying to find people who might want to build add-ons. Like we were just exploring the idea and he was the first to respond and then did a review gave a lot of positive uh, feedback to us, has helped us out a lot. And that was that was instrumental, I think, into part of our growth, right? That 
when we made that when we got that when we got somebody who was well respected in the community for his development chops and just being a good person and being transparent and he kind of came or came behind us and said hey these guys are good like what they're doing what this team is working on is good and i i really like the way they're solving some of these problems um, that definitely, I think, catapulted us a little bit at least, added a little fuel to what we were already doing. And so those those reviews are good. And then later we got the vote of confidence from Genesis and Studio Press when they switched their demos over to us. That was really big. Rainmaker adopted Ninja Forms into their platform, and that was really cool. So lots of things like that. And I consider those all kind of reviews, even though they may not be absolute public like on my website hey so and so says this product is great it's it's a it's a public vote of confidence in the product that you're building and when you can get those when you can build some stuff around that that helps that's huge so let's have a short break for our sponsor and we'll be back with other success factors if we may for just a moment we'd like to mention the fact that this episode of mastermind.fm is brought to you by sitelock a global leader in website security solutions. SiteLock offers an easy to use but extremely potent website security management plugin for WordPress. They offer one of the most advanced malware scanning and removal systems on the market from the convenience of your WordPress admin. You should check them out for yourself at wpdistrict.sitelock.com. Welcome back. Uh, so we want to con- kind of continue this conversation. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about timing. We talked about features versus solving problems. We touched on uh, testimonials, and I, I want to talk about that just a little bit more, and-, and John, get a little bit more of your feedback on what that's done for you. But you know, I talked about testimonials and reviews and, and getting other people to acknowledge your product. That to me is a process that you start now looking back. It's a process I would have wished I would have started earlier in the process of building relationships with not just important people, but just good people. People who are known to be good and well-respected, not just because they're the best developers or the best marketers or the highest profile people, but they're just known at being good, honest people and kind people. Building relationships with those kind of people, uh, as far as a network, I think helps a lot when you start to launch a product and you put it out there. Because then you have, I think, at least a group of people that will promote you, not because they get anything out of it, but just because you've built a relationship. Um, They're not going to promote garbage. Like if you put out junk, they're going to they're going to be honest and tell you. And that's why they're trusted, because they're honest. Do you have any experience with that? Anything where you have found that just having somebody building those relationships networks before you launch something or while, even in the early stages has helped you along? Yeah, since um, WP Mayer was my main product, so to speak, before WPRSS Aggregator, I had been already working on relationships for a number of years through WordCamps and other events. So I had already built a network of people, especially people running the other WordPress blogs. So it was very easy for me to get the word out through other blogs, which in my opinion are a fantastic way to spread the word about your plugin to the community at large. And I say this because the WordPress blogs tend to focus on specific niches, like there are a few focused on developers, like for example, Pippin's blogs and Tom McFarlane's. And there are others who focus on news, like post status, and even WP Tavern. And there are others which focus on plugins, which in our case at WP Mayor, that's our main thing. 
there's others doing themes. So you just have to pick your niches and see which one would work best for your product. Keep in mind that many blogs offer services for promoting your plugins, such as WP Mayer. We offer paid reviews where we actually review your product and in depth even make a video about it. And that's where we have the occasion to really go spend a few hours on a product and give you personal feedback on what we should improve and what our take on using it has been. And that's not something where we're just promoting the plugin. We're giving you honest feedback and it's at the end your decision whether to publish that feedback or use it internally to improve the plugin. Like us, there are others, other blogs which offer this service. And you mentioned rightly that you have to build relationships and sometimes those people People will offer to write about the plugin for free without any strings attached. I found this particularly true with individuals who maintain blogs. I don't think it's true for the bigger blogs. Let's say WP Mayer will get maybe a dozen requests every day about announcements of new plugins. Obviously, it would take us more than that same day to go through all those plugins. And it's impossible to give a judgment based on a few minutes uh, looking at a particular plugin. And also, given that it's a new plugin, you typically need to improve stuff. And uh, that's why I would suggest that you have peers that can really spend time playing around with your plugin. Or if you contact the bigger blocks, be prepared to pay to, to enable them to have a deeper look at your plugin before releasing any judgment or feedback. And uh, definitely, yeah, building relationships is great. Also, because keep in mind that even if people don't write about you, if they're agency owners, they can start installing your plugin for all their clients. And that's a huge benefit. And that's sort of a pyramid model where your plugin starts becoming more known and known with each agency that ad adopts it or each freelance developer that adopts it. And then obviously people start talking about it. WordPress conferences are great places for networking. Typically, developers will talk to each other about what plugins they're using and so on and so forth. So definitely for me, networking is one of the most important aspects of marketing a WordPress plugin. That's awesome. That's great stuff. Uh, the other, you know, I want to also kind of circle back around to product quality because we talked a little bit about like the UI and moving away from the UI but I want to talk about it from the standpoint of just extensibility as well if you want a great product that you're if you want your product to grow like you want it to get bigger the first thing you need to do is make sure that your product is better right like that's don't focus on better and bigger will follow uh, and what I mean by that is as you make your product more extensible so others can integrate with it can develop on top of it uh, you're going to exponentially increase your potential reach of people who want to use it. That's why I actually love the add-on business model, because as I add new developers who build their own add-ons, they have their own network of contacts that see what they're doing, and they begin to get involved and want to know more. Most of our third-party collaborating developers came because they first saw Pippin. And, you know, so a few got on there and then some more came on because of those people that came on. And that actually, you know, has a tense, has, has the ability to create kind of this exponential effect where more and more developers start to adopt your product. And uh, I mean, a perfect example is this is why Gravity Forms is, is as large as it is, right? Because developers have adopted it and have built on top of it and done really cool things about it and then write about all the cool things that they're doing about it. And 
it continues to kind of create that market share of developers who love it, right? So extensibility is huge. So not just product quality as in this is good code, but that this is extensible code. This is something that other people can interact with. I think goes a long, long way to making a product popular. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I so so product quality is an important one. So we've talked about features and solving problems, timing, product quality, testimonials, network. We talked a little bit about market demand, right? Like I uh, saturated markets tells me that's a good place to kind of jump in, right? Because there is I can solve a problem. Um, you know, I think there's still room in the e-commerce space. There's a lots of e-commerce plugins. We use EDD. WooCommerce is obviously huge. Uh, iThemes has Exchange, which is a great little product. Um, there are, you know, there's still Jigo Shop, which WooCommerce was forked off of. That's still in existence. You have WP e-commerce. There's a lot of e-commerce plugins out there, but that doesn't mean that there isn't problems that still need to be solved. We saw that, right? Pippin solved the problem by selling digital products. That's his, it was his main focus. And he's refocusing back to that, right? Like, I can come into this e-commerce space and all of these other products, while you can sell digital products, they don't have a holistic focus to, I just want to sell digital products. Uh, Give is another one. So Give is, uh, I think, pretty much a fork of EDD, but with the sole purpose of, accepting donations, right? For nonprofit, for, for camp, for, for, uh, fundraising campaigns and and stuff like that. So there's still room for niches in each of these spaces where you can carve out a market and become really successful in that space. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, uh, I fully agree with having niches being the way of going further within the WordPress space. There are so many like thousands of plugins nowadays. So I mean, most of the use cases have been filled, except for maybe a handful of them, which really don't have a leading plugin. But you can always innovate in the niches. And that's still a good recipe for success, even in terms of monetary rewards. One thing I wanted to ask you is that you mentioned PPC earlier and AdWords. Have you ever had any trials with that? For your plugins? Not for any of my plugins. I did dabble with that a while back when I was pastoring a church and I just wanted to kind of get raise our profile of our church. And so I played around with AdWords words a little bit, but by no means was I well enough uh, versed or knowledgeable enough to have a huge success with it. Um, you know, there are some people who dedicate all their time to just setting up great AdWord campaigns. And so I haven't spent a lot of time. It's one of those things that once three launches, I'd be definitely interested in exploring some of these other uh, channels or marketing channels to see what might be successful for the plugin space. Yeah, I'm definitely very interested in exploring that as well, since with PPC, you can, if you get something that works, you can easily scale it. And in our case, I've seen that traffic really correlates very closely to the amount of revenue that we make. So if I could really increase the traffic through AdWords, that would really be a big boost for our business. Yeah, I mean, marketing is a big part, right? Like we talk about the product side of it. And Chris Lemma did a talk in Miami that was really good. And he kind of pointed out the fact that most of us as plugin companies spend all kinds of forethought and have these goals and plans in development. We know where the product is going in development, but we don't have that same care and plan in our marketing. Like, how am I going to market this thing? 
And so I think that's, that is a key point, right? Like you, if you want to have a successful product, it's not all about the product. There is a level of saying, how am I going to market this? How am I going to get this in front of the people who need to see it? And what channels are going to be best for my particular niche, if you will. And so we always ask, ask you to, to send in questions this time. I think James will agree with me in asking a question ourselves to our listeners. If you have dabbled with uh, Facebook advertising or Google AdWords and you have met any success or failure, please let us know. And we'd love to know your experience with this marketing channel. And we'll mention you, obviously, in the, the next podcast episode. Absolutely. That would be great. And we didn't get a chance to do this in the last episode. So, Jean, we've had a recent review. Would you like to share the review with our uh, listeners? Sure. It's uh, from Fat Caps from the UK. And uh, Fatcap says, great resource, really enjoyed the series. The length of each episode is good and the banter between the hosts is great. And the topics are relevant and good that can be applied to creating WordPress or any other product. Thank you very much, Fatcaps. And we look forward to receiving other five and <laughs> five star reviews from, uh, from you. But even if we, we, you think we should improve in any way, and I'm sure there are many ways, in which we can improve, please let us know so we can give you a better podcast. Yeah, I would definitely say like we have a form on our website where you can send in questions, but you could also use that form to offer some feedback. We definitely want to improve what we're doing and what we're offering to our listeners. And those reviews are, are highly important to us because it helps raise our profile in the iTunes feed, uh, you know, podcast feed. And um, so we want to expose this podcast to other users. And so your reviews are hugely important. So please leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. Uh, we really appreciate everyone that we get. It's very encouraging. I'd also like to thank WP Explorer for featuring us and then their list on WordPress podcasts to listen to. Thank you very much for that mention. And we continue to try to offer you a unique viewpoint on our experience with uh, developing WordPress plugins and obviously marketing them and trials and tribulations and building our businesses. You can find me on Twitter at Jean Galea if you need to get in touch. You can also use the form on our website and James, they can find you on Twitter at... Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at James Laws. So I guess that's all for today. As usual, keep the questions coming and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much and bye-bye. See ya.